As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey folks, welcome into On to Waveland, brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. On to Waveland, also presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. I'm Brett Taylor, joined by Patrick Mooney and Sahadev Sharma. We're here to talk Cubs. Sahadev, I gotta ask, wait, are you in Philly right now? Were you, uh, did you go? Yeah, okay. yes. This is a hotel uh, how- room background yeah that you're seeing i thought i i was like okay maybe he just has you know he has what he did is he got one of those zoom backgrounds you know it's just incredibly realistic it's like it's just oh it's a headboard and a wall yep that's my that's what i chose other people choose jurassic park or like uh you know being at a ball field or something really exciting and he's like no i want headboard and and wallpaper uh how many cheesesteaks have you had and did you share any of them with Frank Schwindel and his crew. <laughs> I've I've had uh, I had one cheesesteak yesterday, and I had a roast pork sandwich, which is kind of like the cheesesteak, but it's supposed to be the best sandwich at the Reading Terminal that I'm right by. So, and it, both were delicious. I give them thumbs up. No thumbs down. Right thumbs up. <laughs> Where, where'd you get the cheesesteak? By George, which is also in Reading Terminal Market. Oh, that's uh, close. I, I just went with the one that had the the longest line. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's yeah. smart. Yeah, that's that's like uh, oh, that's a pro tip. <laughs> um, although you know, the longest line I've ever waited in for food. Well, we're just well, we're just on this is back when Hot Dogs, which of course is now sure. only in the outfield bleachers at Wrigley, uh, when it was a location, and then when they announced they were shutting down, of course everybody had to go get hot dogs. And so what was always a long line was like a literally an over two hour wait. And eh, you know, yeah, but you don't don't like anything on your like food. Uh, You just want like a plain hot dog with ketchup. Yeah. I mean, I got one of the, whatever, (laughs) you know, I got some, something and I was like, it's fine. You know, I don't know what food could be that two hours. I would be like, yes, this was worth it. I mean, I really don't know what that food item is. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, that, that's fair, fair enough. 
So yeah, no, 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 no offense to to Hot Dog. I I, I get your get your stuff in the bleachers all the time. It's just much more uh, rapidly paced. So okay, uh, obviously this is the cheesesteak cast. We're here to talk all things cheesesteak. No, this is what happens when it gets to be like the second half of September in a uh, a season where the Cubs aren't barreling toward the postseason. Um, the mind easily wanders, and uh, you know. Uh, not that is not to say there aren't things we can say about these first two games in Philadelphia and we will, but you know, I started to feel like until last night we were getting too many, um, like just sort of nice, quiet wins or losses by the Cubs. You know, they, they, there wasn't really much to be like that is wild or, Oh, that's LOL. Perfect. And then last night they got the walk off cross up at home plate, uh, which really I was like, okay, yeah. We're back now, baby. This this feels like a Cubs team that's going to finish in fourth place. Yeah, right. I mean, you know, you you got to take some of these weird losses. I, I mean, the Phillies. I, I'm more confounded by the Phillies than anything else. I just see this team that for that is going on ten years without a playoff, per, uh, playoff appearance. Uh, they it's ten years to- without a winning record. Is that Did right? You know that? that that makes it's sense. not even just playoffs. They've had they've had two seasons of of exactly five hundred, right? And then they're basically five hundred this year, and that's the best that they've done in a decade. I, you know, this is what Jed has kind of talked about as far as what he's trying to avoid, right? And you hope that he has done that by with the trade deadline, because this is baseball purgatory. This is baseball hell, not purgatory. It's just hell. Uh, these fans, I what I've been struck by, to be honest, the past two games, the ballpark's empty. There's barely any fans there. There's Frank, Frank Schwindel's section, and then nobody else. It's it's really rough to see. Even Wrigley right now with a team that just shipped off all their superstars. Yeah, it's not packed Wrigley. It's not the Wrigley that we we know. But there's they have enough of a season ticket fan base that that people are still there to a certain degree. This is a team that was when this week started was two games out of a playoff spot. And nobody's showing up now. Granted that it's they're they're playing sloppy baseball and they're two games out of a of a wild card spot. But even if the Cubs were doing that, if the Cubs were two games out of a playoff spot, there'd be fans showing up, right? That they'd be invested in it. That that's hard to see. That's uh, that's where you don't want to be as a team, as a fan base. Uh, I get it. There's other things. Uh, football season started. School started. So, so uh, uh, when you're not really in the thick of things and, and putting out an exciting product, it, it's hard to justify going. But yeah, it's a it's it's not fun to watch these Phillies right now and the way they they're kind of uh, just kind of going through the motions almost. It's, it's a little surprising to see. And it's exactly what Jed needs to try and avoid here. Try and make sure if, if it's going to be a down period here, it can't be more than this half season that we've, we've watched in maybe a year or two at the most. Otherwise things just go sideways quickly and you get stuck in this weird spot and you're chasing wins, buying, buying players that may not be, uh, the answer to 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 what you need. It's just weird to me that the Phillies have gotten a lot right in terms of those big ticket items. I mean, Bryce Harper, mm-hmm. Real Muto, uh, Zach Wheeler's pitched really well. Um, I think everyone thought Joe Girardi was a good hire. I mean, Gabe Kapler might be the manager of the year, and they fired him not that long ago. And 
Uh, I don't know. I see what the Cardinals are doing, and I, I don't know. I feel like the Cubs were so uh, – did not go halfway, as Jed Hoyer said, but I do wonder um, – because I know within that clubhouse there was this defiant feeling of, you know, we had another run in us. And as crazy as that sounds, I do see what the Cardinals are doing and wonder, like, John Lester was a name that we had circled a while ago. And Lester and Hap, uh, this is an alternate universe that I'm talking about here. But I don't know, sometimes it doesn't take that much to, like, get back in it. And, like, this idea of, like, that's great that Jed and the Cubs want to, like, deliver another parade to Chicago and stuff like that. But sometimes it's nice just to, like, put together like a fun team and not have an entire year be built around the trade deadline. And like, yeah, you never know what can happen and that, you know, whatever the Cubs are going to do, it's not resigning themselves to like five to 10 years of, you know, waiting for the perfect plan to come together. Yeah. It's um, that, that alternate universe of which you speak is interesting. You know, if that Brewers series, that one that we have all marked as sort of the, the death blow to, to this year, if that had just gone a little differently, who knows how this plays out. I think, though, I suppose the, the caution there is, and I know that we all agree, even even in a world where it was like, okay, one more rodeo with this crew and, and trying to make a postseason run, like right now, as we were speaking right now, we'll say the Cubs are in the Phillies spot. I do think some of the um, malaise that had set in about, like, you know, going back to when we talked about the offense broke. I mean, we've been talking for three years and it was like as much as fans are connected to these players and we talked about it on the last episode with Chris Bryant coming back. I do think with some distance and with some honesty and with some inward looking sense of self, most fans at this point would admit part of being a fan of a sports team and why we do all this is... um is is yeah it's the relationship we feel we connect with guys who are around for a while but also it's like the newness and the excitement of new players and change and dynamism and like oh what's happening next year and what rumors are we going to be talking about and and all these things that i think we forgot can be fun in a different way because so much was just so locked into place for the last several years and it kind of just felt like well, this, you know, this is what the Cubs are, so this is all I can root for. I can't really root for change because they've got these guys for two or three more years. So all I can root for is just make one more run, one more run. And I am increasingly feeling like, not because I'm I'm whole stock buying into the idea of these veterans that the Cubs have developed that are breaking out and, oh, they're going to be the next players for the turning point. Oh, the Cubs are definitely going to spend at the top of the market this offseason like I'm not deluded about any of that stuff. It's more just I'm I'm ready to observe and evaluate something else. And um I think that that alternate alternate universe, I don't know if anybody else is watching what if, but I like that show. Uh that alternate universe where the Cubs do stick together and then they add, you know, like a John Lester, they they are the team that brings him in and maybe they are a game or two out of the wild card like I don't know. I don't know how satisfying that actually would be as we look back, saying nothing of what it means for the future, but just, um, yeah, I just, I don't know how much juice we like fans would get from it. By the way, side note, John Lester having won, I don't care at all about pitcher win losses, but just for those who do, he just won game 199 last night against the Mets, which means that 
If he doesn't win his next start, his next one is likely to be at Wrigley Field, and he could win game 200 uh, at Wrigley Field with the Cardinals. I was I was thinking about this. He got he got the send off already. Did did he come into town with Washington earlier this year? Yes. And he got the video. Yeah. Send they, off? Okay. They did it with uh, Schwarber. Yeah. They did two different nights. I he think, pitched for, against Alzale. That right. Night. Okay. I'm remembering it now. Okay. So Schwarber got it as well. Uh, yeah. That that's. I kind of agree with Brett in the sense that we've kind of seen this middling. Uh, you know. Uh, group where they 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 have so much talent and you expect them to be at the top of the division and and they're just kind of going through the motions almost would that be satisfying i also think i also completely agree with patrick in the sense that i'd prefer to be watching a team that's competitive right there there's the, i want fans engaged i want to be more engaged in the day-to-day of it all and and that's that's hard to do uh but in the positive side of things, I'm, I am enjoying Schwindel. I am – like what he's doing, how he's doing it, I think is a fascinating topic. I think trying to figure out what uh, – it, it drives me nuts a little bit because I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this? What, what, what do I do with all this information because I don't know if it's real? Uh, but it's really interesting. There's no doubt about that. He doesn't strike out, right? He, he puts the barrel on the ball a ton. He, uh, beyond the results, he just, he's in, he seems like a good dude. Like he seems like he's really happy to be here that he's just like, yeah, bring it on, bring on this challenge. Uh, he doesn't seem to be letting the, I don't know if, if he's like a cult hero or whatever you want to call it. Uh, he doesn't seem to be allowing that to go to his head. He's just enjoying the moment. And continuing to put in the work, I think that's a cool story. And we obviously wouldn't have gotten that if the Cubs didn't sell off at the deadline. Uh, we wouldn't know anything about Frank Schwindel. And the numbers aren't just – this isn't just okay numbers. Like he's putting up some pretty ridiculous numbers for the moment and, and continues – yeah, is he is he mostly feasting on fastballs? Yes. Is he, is, is he going to start getting like a steady – diet of breaking balls and off-speed pitches that's already started he seems to be able to at least get himself to a point where he gets those fastballs still and he's not missing them a slump comes at some point right he's probably going to be in the uh, in the group uh next year he's going to be in the mix in some way next year right if the if the slump doesn't come in the next what, what do we have two weeks left and the slump doesn't come in the next two weeks it, it'll come at some point next year, right? Maybe he gets off to a dreadful start and we all say, well, there it was. It, that, that's over for, for Frank Schwindel. Uh, but, but, I can't, but at the very least, he's put this thought uh, in our minds that what is this guy? What can he be? Uh, and and just, how, just how good is, is he? Because like I said, this isn't, this isn't, these aren't regular numbers. These aren't just like, this is a hot streak. It's, it's a pretty impressive hot streak is what it is. Sadiv, I liked your tweet of like talking yourself into the Schwindel Rivas combination and just <laughs> like, like, Say like you tweeted it and now it's just part of the permanent public record forever. <laughs> I, yeah, well, I can't help it. Like they, it's it's very interesting to me, but it's also like this is dumb. I shouldn't be falling for a month and a half of, of a guy – playing like this but it's also like he's playing so well and Rebus has well, this interesting you know we, mix 
and San Fran- and I'm just fascinated by what San Francisco does. Put it all together, and I'm just like, yeah, fine. You can talk me into that because I don't think they should go out and spend $25 million per on a first baseman. I don't think that makes sense with where they are now, right? Go spend that on pitching, uh, outfield, uh, whatever it is. Like, go get, like, a no-doubt middle-of-the-order bat and, and a bunch of pitching. Like, that's what they should go do, right, if they're going to spend uh, a shortstop, of course, right? Like, that that's where they should be allocating their funds. So, yeah, I'm, of course I'm I'm going to convince myself that Revis and Schwindel can work because, A, I want to watch good baseball, and, B, it, it, it's turning out to be really interesting concept. Well, and to give you a little bit of a defense on that, uh, because I, I agree with everything you've said about about them and about uh, Schwindel. And I think that we have all done this a long time and we've seen lots and lots of little breakout moments for guys. Uh, we talked, we've talked recently about Brian LaHare as sort of the canonical example of this, but the, but I, I keep being struck by the extent to which Schwindel is doing it. Like the, the level of success he's having and how he's doing it are, combining to leave me feeling like I'm not saying he's going to continue being this. I'm not saying that this is a perfect encapsulation of who he is age 29 as a player right now, but I am way more comfortable saying that this is different than like even those first two months of Patrick wisdom um, of what Rafael Ortega was doing. Like it's the way he's accomplishing this is, um, not something we have seen. I don't know that I've ever seen uh, precisely this caliber of performance from a newly called up Cubs player uh, over a two month period, it, you know, putting together the numbers in the way he is. And and I mean, I'm including like when Chris Bryant came up or when whoever, I mean, I think statistically that's correct too. I, I saw something about how in the first uh, 40 games of a Cubs career, the only person matching his performance was Hank Sauer in like the forties after a trade. So, I mean, this, this really is something we haven't seen before. So that that's a little bit of a defense for anybody who's like, yeah, I can't stop talking myself into that. This might be worth trying next year. Well, this you're, you're, you're not on an Island. Yeah. I think Mike Petriello had a, had a piece uh, that, that touched on Schwindel and, and had some really interesting numbers and depth, like, as far as like pretty much everyone that does this is at minimum like a quality player, like had a stretch of like a few years where they were a productive player and at best were, you know, elite MVP caliber Hall of Fame types. I don't think that's where oh, Frank Schwindel is He just said it, folks. Sorry, uh, Michael, edit sorry that I'm going to talk yeah. over him. <laughs> yeah, Michael, Michael cut out uh, Sahada's words there. He just said Frank Schwindel for MVP 2022. I heard Hall of Fame I, I there. Think, that's what I was Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's uh, right. I think, like, I think what, what I feel comfortable with is saying that, it, you know, it, a few years of pr- productive baseball isn't out of the question here. I think that's what we're seeing with Schwindel. Like, I... I keep. I, I know I'm. I'm probably going too far, even saying that. Like you can't rule out the Lahair ending or the Kosuke Fukudome ending, right? Uh, but, but there is. It, it seems like there's enough there that I feel like, yeah, you you use this guy correctly. Maybe that's what the bottom line. You you make sure that he faces every lefty that comes up whenever there's a time to pinch hit or whenever there's a lefty starting. He's in the lineup, 
whenever there's a good matchup righty, a guy that Lance Lynn throws a ton of fastballs, right? He starts against Lance Lynn types. Anybody that throws over 60% fastballs, get him in the lineup. 60, 65% fastballs, whatever it is. Uh, Lance McCullers is starting. No, he uh, don't don't put Frank Schwindel in the lineup. But everyone else, yeah, get him in there and and see what he can do. Uh, I think it it makes it, Lance McCullers is a righty, right? He's not a lefty. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, uh, so uh, so right, like so. Uh, I was thinking breaking ball heavy righties, but uh, I just think there's a spot for him in the future, and I know. Like I, I posed this to, to David Ross yesterday, and I'm going to be writing about it tonight. Uh, but the concept, you know, he doesn't want. He he told us last weekend he doesn't want to be chasing other organizations. He wants to have a Cubs philosophy that they stick to. What do they believe in? That doesn't mean he's not. They don't take ideas from winning uh, organizations. And what the Rays do, what the Giants do, it's difficult to pull off. But I think if you have the right pieces and the right buy-in from the players, you can you can do some version of it, your own version of it, whatever Ross envisions there. And and uh, he didn't he didn't rule it out as something that he was interested in. It, it's going to take a lot of work and a lot of additions and a lot of mixing and matching. Uh, and you can't and do this. Bu- and buy-in, buy-in, buy-in is huge. from all the players. Buy-in is is the key, right? Everybody believes they're an everyday player. Uh, the guy that I come back to. And I, it's probably unfair to single him out, uh, but guy I think about is is Albert Elmora. Uh, what it's unfair because he's he was sub thirty and and he was a high draft pick and he he should have been looked at as a potential everyday player. But after a few years of struggling, if he embraces, I'm going to face like this is what I'm going to get great at hitting lefties and playing in an elite defense in center field and being that guy that comes in late to. To, as a defensive replacement, where would he be in his career instead of floundering with the Mets right now, right? Could he be a different type of player if he had just been like, I'm going to hammer lefties. That's all I'm going to focus on this offseason. Just master this and and continue to work on my defense. That's that's just one player that I thought of with the Cubs that obviously it's really hard to, to get in that mindset, right? Ian Happ is going to keep saying that I can face lefties. I, I can hit from the right side. You know, that, that long home run he hit is going to stand out in everyone's mind uh, as, as what he does against as what he, the potential of what he can do against lefties. But maybe what's best for him is, is being used against righties primarily and very rarely facing lefties. What the giants do is really, really interesting in the sense that there's no hesitation. The second a lefty comes in or a lefty starts, Justin Steele had to face all righties, right? And the second a righty came in, pinch it, pinch it, pinch it. It wasn't there wasn't any second thought about it. There's Gabe Kapler isn't uh, really thinking about this much. It's almost you know it, it's it's like this is what I do. This is how it works. You can't you can't. Uh, it, it's almost like playing blackjack, right? You don't go with your gut in those situations. If you you go by the book and you just stick with it, and the percentages will work out in your favor. In the long run, as long as you have, here's where it doesn't work. Here's where it doesn't work, where you have a guy that's that's facing that crushes righties, right? And his platoon partner supposedly crushes lefties. He goes on a month long slump, and this guy's still crushing. The other guy's still crushing. When does that guy start to speak up and say, "Hey, play me every day. I can crush both lefties and righties." And then you have discontent in the clubhouse. This guy's looking over his shoulder because he's not performing. He's like, "I'm gonna sit." 
and then he gets in his head and then and then it's all it all goes to shit right yeah i'd be really fascinating to see kind of where this goes because even though they traded all those guys at the end of july they still loom over the team just so much and how we think about it and it's really hard to find everyday players in the big leagues and as frustrating as this cubs team had became by the end they were still really good all-star caliber players and i think it's this fine line of hey there is new energy like around the team and in the in the clubhouse because those guys had taken up so much kind of oxygen in the room and their contract situations hung over the team to such a degree, but they also put up that world series banner up there. And it's like great to work with these, like, you know, eager, I wouldn't say young, but like kind of mid career eager guys, but like if they don't have what it takes, then you're kind of screwed. And like the Cubs barely have enough like legitimate major league players. Now, are they going to find an entire fleet of like mix and match players? Not to mention like, 60% 60% of a starting rotation and all the depth you need behind that. So it's definitely worth exploring. I think Schwindel has more than played his way onto next year's team. And it will be fascinating, like you said, Sahadev, of, you know, how is he going to come back after, you know, Frank the Tank mania for, for two months? And, you know, we saw guys who were – on paper had much better head pedigrees and more talent on, on paper, you know, really struggle. Like the Cubs could not have drafted like higher players um, or kind of like given them more latitude. And it still didn't work after the world series. So um, David Ross and Jed Hoyer have a lot on their plate. No doubt. To wrap it up on Schwindel specifically and going to that point, uh, it's something you mentioned earlier, Sadev. Really, at this point, I, I want him to struggle. I, I hope he hits that patch of a good... We don't have a lot of time left, but I hope he hits that patch of a good solid week or so of pitchers attacking him in a way that gives him fits. Because uh, you'd much rather he got a little bit of tape, a little bit of data, a little bit of something to work on this offseason than trying to anticipate. Enti- you know, like, ah, I did everything well. Okay, what are they going to do? And then how do I practice against that? And you just would rather he got a little opportunity to to start working on those adjustments before that. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Um, something else that you got me thinking about, Mooney, as you were talking about how, for as much as we might dig some of these conversations about Schwindel and, and Rivas and 
Ortega and Hermosillo and Wisdom and then the rotation talk. Uh, when I look forward, look ahead, not look forward, uh, when I look ahead to next year and I think about those guys and I think about all these conversations about being competitive next year, I also think about the farm system. And what I, how I connect those two things in my head, what it keeps coming to me is for as good as this year has been to the Cubs farm system in terms of accumulating legitimate prospects and big steps forward from players at the lowest levels of the farm system, it was really a rather poor year in terms of guys emerging as clearly ready to contribute in 2022 at AA and AAA. Um, a lot of that's injury related. A lot of pitchers who could have, you know, taken those leaps did not pitch this year. Um, positionally, the ability to pull on some of these veteran guys that the Cubs did maybe help develop even in their late 20s kind of obscured this a little bit. But when we talk about, okay, looking to 2022, who are the legit prospects who are going to step forward that we haven't seen yet, but who are going to would necessarily have to be part of the equation if you're going to surprisingly succeed in 2022. And, you know, you could include Rivas. We've already seen him, but like, there just aren't many. And I think the, there's there, the one guy who's going to suck up all of that chatter, and deservedly so, uh, was one of the big stories this week. And that's Brandon Davis, the Cubs' top prospect, consensus top 20 in the game. First prospect of that caliber that the Cubs have had since, you know, the early days of the rebuild. Um, 21, just gets promoted to AAA. And of course, Homer's in his first two at-bats there because you can't be this kind of hyped Cubs prospect unless your legend outpaces any realistic expectations for your performance. And so I thought it worth kind of touching on that here at the end. You know, realistically, what do we, as we sit here today, what are we kind of thinking his trajectory is for 2022, both in terms of his own development and in terms of his relationship to whatever the Cubs are going to try and do in 2022? I think, well, part of that, I think, probably depends on the CBA, right? We, we need to see what they do with service time and stuff like that. And and what if they can incentivize calling a guy up uh, in a year that may not be competitive, then I would assume that Brennan Davis gets up uh, at some point in the big leagues next year, unless he completely flounders at AAA, right? Uh, he's going to start the year at AAA. Uh, he's... He's going to enter the the year as the Cubs' top prospect and one of the game's top prospects, right? Uh, and unless the Cubs are competing, I don't think we can make any assumptions about whether he arrives. Uh, but if the, if they're competing, I would assume that that he's going to find a way to to make it uh, make it up to the big leagues, right? Like you you want that top two. I mean, that's what they always. They, they loved doing that in years, uh, in competing years. It was like an injection, uh, like a little boost if, if there was a lull in, in July. Like, here's this young guy, come up, the league doesn't know him yet, he's going to be hot for a month and, and deliver and, and perform, and, 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 that's, and that kind of like gets you going, and it's like a pre-trade deadline boost for the team. Uh, and, and they kind of lacked that in like 18 and 19, right, when they were trying to trying to push towards the end and had to add uh, random guys at the deadline who certainly helped, but, uh, but I think they, they missed those young guys as well. 
so yeah, I'm curious to see if he, if in a losing season, how they handle his development. If he's, if he's just destroying triple a, right. And, and the CBA isn't fixed to the to, to the degree where, where he, where, where they can, where it doesn't make sense for them to call him up. Right. In a, in a service time manipulation manner. Uh, do they just hold him down for the entirety of the season? I don't know. I, have, I think I think because then you'd have to hold him down. You'd have to hold him down at the start of the next year uh, exactly. for that to matter. Exactly. Which I don't. I don't see that happening. And I think maybe I, you know I haven't talked to people with the Cubs about this. I think there are some lessons to be learned about calling a guy up just when he deserves it. Uh, I mean, how much did that impact? the lack of extensions that we saw. I'm not saying that was 100% the reason, but, you know, you you give the guy the benefit of the doubt, call him up to start the season. How many times have we seen extensions with other teams? Other teams get those done. You know, Fernando Tatis, there was no service time manipulation. Granted, they gave him a monster deal. It wasn't like he, they, that, I mean, that's probably pretty, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but that's probably not much 300, different. 340 yeah. million or whatever. That was right, the discounting. Right. Right. So, I mean, yeah, there, I mean, you talk, uh, if, if you can get it done even before Brennan Davis even comes up, right. Like the Eloy Jimenez. And I think, uh, there, there was the white Sox did one other deal like that, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm curious to see how, how it's handled, but I think they, uh, hopefully service time manipulation isn't something we have to talk about much in the future, but I don't, I be hard to imagine outside of just him plateauing or cratering in AAA that he's not ready at some point next year, just in a developmental path, ignore service time. I would think that at some point next year, uh, mid to late summer, it would make sense for him to be ready for the big leagues. And, and, and just that experience I think is huge. I think they need to start considering things like that more than service time. Brett, you've framed it well. Like the Cubs haven't had a prospect like this since, and at the end of this seven-year cycle with this group, there should be more than just Brendan Davis. And that's kind of uh, something I think we'll, we're going to have to monitor of like what is going to be the expectations on this guy. And by all accounts, he's very mature and level-headed. But this is going to be a lot for him. And I think as much as people love like seeing the names on the prospect boards and saying, um, you know, oh, the Cubs have – You've gotten X, Y, and Z since the Darvish trade. It's like, this has not been a good year for the farm system. There's been a lot of injuries. The teams, last I checked, the cumulative records were like dozens and dozens of games under 500. No no one anywhere close to first place uh, or with a winning record in their divisions. Maybe that's changed since the last time I checked. But And I get that winning isn't everything at those levels, but like they've been pretty thin – um, at the top levels of their system. And that's why it's been uh, kind of such a shock or maybe a silver lining that they found these Schwindel type guys to plug in because there hasn't been a lot. And, you know, we see the the minor league games are on TV now and everyone's focusing on the farm system. But if you look closely, it hasn't been that pretty. They're going to have to do a lot of work uh, in those areas over the winter and next year. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Let me leave us with a rosy note then on that front. Um, we would agree, I'm going to drop a little logic bomb on folks. We would all agree that uh, uncovering and helping develop 29 and 30-year-old players at the big league level for the first time is uh, both quite rare and quite unbelievable when it happens, right? We That's why we express so much skepticism about these guys, despite their success. And what would be a prerequisite if you were going to be an organization where that happened? What would be among the things that would have to happen for that success to that surprising moment to happen? Well, you'd have to be pretty good at finding those guys. You would have to have regular playing time and developmental structures in place at AAA for them to flourish. And then you would have to have regular starting opportunities at the big league level at the same time so that they could get that exposure and show you what they got. And it occurs to me that the Cubs had that perfect setup in place for these guys to succeed like this. And I'm not actually sure that many other organizations on a year-to-year basis, certainly not the Cubs of the last decade, have had that precise setup in place in order to unearth these types of guys. So that is not proof that the Rafael Ortegas and Patrick Wisdoms and Frank Schwindels will carry forward their performance into next year. It is only a note that the rare the rarity of this happening is at least partly tied to, you know, great organizations tend to have lots and lots of prospects that need playing time at AA and AAA. And then when call-ups are needed, they tend to call up prospects who are going to be on the 40-man anyway. So maybe that leaves you feeling a little extra optimism that like, maybe it takes a little bit of luck to be in the right situation for these types of guys to, to break out. Maybe there are a lot more players who could break out but just never get the right perfect setup to do so. And, you know, maybe we can be a little optimistic that that has happened here for the Cubs. Anything else you want to add there, uh, Chum? Mooney had to, had to ditch us here at the end, but uh, what do you got side of? I mean, the one little thing I'd say is I, I, I agree with you and I, I'd love that they've found that these, these late, you know, these late bloomer types and, and they're getting an opportunity I would feel a lot better about the immediate future if guys like James Triantos, so Owen Casey, Christian Hernandez, Kevin Alcantara were at double A this year instead of low A and the Complex League or Dominican Summer League. It just it, the timing almost feels a little off because uh, now you have to go searching for pre agents. Everything that I said about the Giants and all that stuff, I, I, I love what they're doing. 
but Patrick's right. They have some stars there that are that are kind of having bounce back years. Can they're they're not going to spend on three other stars that that play pretty much every day, right? They're just not going to do that, and then spend on pitching as well. So it just becomes a lot harder to kind of carry this momentum over to twenty twenty two and expect them to be competing. Uh, it, it's that's the one drawback of it all. Like it's great that they unearth these guys. I think it's it, it's going to be hard. It's hard for me to envision the scenario where they unearth them and then in 2022 they're they're part of a playoff run, right? A lot of things have to go right this offseason for that to for that to be the case. But I don't I don't want to be a downer, but it, it's just you know I think that's the reality of the situation. Probably have to unearth another couple next year too. Right. Uh, so we'll leave it there. Um, thank you folks for listening. Cubs wrap up this series in Philly, and then they will go to Milwaukee to play the Brewers who I believe their magic number on the division by the time the Cubs enter that series is going to be in like that two, three range. So we, uh, hooray, we may get to see the Brewers (laughs) clinch the division against the Cubs. Uh, so thank you folks for listening. This is on to Waveland. It's Cubs podcast here at the athletic. I am Brett Taylor. You can catch my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That is Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Get theirs at The Athletic. Sahadev just wrote something about the Cubs' bullpen and Rowan Wick's awesomeness, so you should check that out. And uh, like I said, we'll be back at you next week for more Cubs talk uh, here on The uh, here on the Athletic, here on On to Waveland. So thank you, folks. Take care. Bye.